This episode of Doing It For The Kids is supported by Agora Pulse, because juggling all the things is hard. Kids work the never-ending washing pile, finding something to eat from the bottom of the freezer. But the good news is social media doesn't need to be one of those time sucks, because Agora Pulse will give you more than five hours back a week. No complicated Excel docs, long emails, or millions of open tabs. Simply manage all your social media channels in one place. Go to agorapulse.com slash D-I-F-T-K to get Get one month free. Now all you have to do is figure out how you want to spend those spare five hours. Yeah, let me just put some sanitizer on because I've moved rooms. Yesterday I was in M and S, like buying school clothes. Mm-hmm. The woman hadn't given me what I was buying, and so I reached under the screen and pulled them. And as I did it, she must have realised, oh, I haven't given them the socks. So pushed them towards me, and our hands touched. <gasps> well, next time I go into M&S, I've ordered on Amazon some of those litter picker-uppers. <laughs> so I can stand firmly away and just reach under. Yeah, my son's got one of those like little robot arm things. Little robot arms? Fit in your handbag. Would you like your receipt? Yes, I have my little robot arm. One moment. <laughs> Thank you. You could even go further. Thank you very much. Hello, you're listening to the Doing It For The Kids podcast, where we swear a bit too much and talk a bit too fast about freelance life with kids in the mix. I'm Frankie, and this is Steve. Hello! Yes, each week we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids community, do our best to answer it, but of course we start each episode by looking back at the last episode. Last episode we were talking about... Riding the roller coaster of freelance madness. The highs, the lows, the really low lows. (laughs) Ingrid's been in touch Ingrid Fernandez Hey Ingrid Ingrid says I've been thinking about this roller coaster lately and for some of us who have been employed prior to going freelance it's easy to think that we didn't have a roller coaster when we were employed Obviously the roller coaster as a freelancer has more dramatic highs and lows but something that has helped me is to remember that being employed didn't insulate me from all the peaks and dips there were still lots of very impactful roller coaster moments and one of the amazing benefits of being freelance is that after a dip I can take some time to reflect recalibrate myself and change things going forward which I might not have been able to do in employment it's a really good point like it's really easy to forget that actually yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of shit with being employed as well (laughs) anyway how are you i don't suppose anything much has happened in your life since we last spoke for this podcast no not not a lot so i moved out of london my hometown last week and i now live in the west country it's the first house i was first house i've ever owned i've always lived in a flat it's the first um, property I've ever been in with carpet in it. So we've had new carpet installed and I came upstairs to record the podcast with a glass of red wine and I was like, hang on, this is not, <laughs> this is not going to end well. You, you don't trust yourself? No, not even slightly. <laughs> Having had carpet for four days, it does feel utterly pointless. It just feels like an accident waiting to happen the whole time. <laughs> Which is like, what's the point? What is the point? Why have I paid all this money for a thing that I'm just stressing about? Staining. Stupid. I mean, it's nice under my feet, but like, what? You could strap two carpet tiles to your feet, walk around and have the (laughs) same experience. (laughs) Yes, that's a good point, though, because we have, for the first time ever, recorded this episode in two parts. Mm. Because basically, we didn't have enough time to sit down for long enough 
without people bothering us to record without my it moving van showing in up one in one go. Work. Right. <laughs> so, so when we answer the question, that will be in London, and you'll probably hear Frankie talking with much more of a London voice. Isn't it? <laughs> she, she's much more Danny Dyer. She'll, oh, she'll be going all oh, Keiko Bako. Um, <laughs> Whereas now, I mean, you sound like a, an, you sound like you're in Downton Abbey. You're one of the country. <laughs> to be honest, everybody's been so nice. Like to the point where I feel like I'm in the Truman Show. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it's just too good. Like this house is too nice. The people are too friendly. I right. just, what's the catch? It's a hidden camera <laughs> yeah, show, exactly. and at some point, it's all gonna get taken it's all away a from setup. you. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Oh my gosh, we now have an 11-year-old. Oh my God, yes. Didn't really have like a party, but I did take him and three friends who he goes to school with to Nando's. Yes, living the dream. And I had to ask for two tables next to them because like, so basically they sat on one table and I sat on a different (laughs) table so that they could pretend that they didn't know me. An 11-year-old. Yeah, wow. I remember clearly... When he was lower down, like when he was in year one or whatever, you'd go to sports day and helping with the younger classes races Mm -hmm. would be the year six children. And I remember just sitting there thinking, God, those year six children are giants. They're so grown up. And yet they were growing up. They would be really eloquent and friendly and caring to people and like just huge Mm. compared to your child in year one. Now we have one of those giants. Now it's got to the point where when I'm folding clothes, I don't know whether it's my <laughs> wife's jeans or his. I have twice I have put the wrong clothes in wow. the wrong cupboard. Wow. There was this great point where he put on some jeans and he went, oh, I quite like these, but they do feel different. <laughs> he put on some really skinny jeans uh, belonging to his mum. Okay, this week's question comes from Becky Coote who is a content creator at yourdigitalassistant.co.uk. Becky says, Project creep. We've all experienced it, but how do you deal with it in a way that doesn't piss off your client? I'm working with someone who is ever so slowly, one email at a time, pushing the boundaries further and further away from what we agreed. The problem is each individual email isn't enough for me to go, whoa, hold your horses. But when you look at the big picture, the amount of time I'm spending on this project is dragging my hourly rate right down, taking me away from other client work and generally winding me up. How do you set the limits from the start and then police it during the project? Thanks, Becky. Such a good question. Uh, Hard, hard relate. (laughs) We've all been there. Yeah. I tell you what, I could start with a story. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, lovely. Yes, please. So we hired a builder. The end invoice that we got was considerably more than the quote. However, there were two bits in there. One that I was expecting, one that I wasn't. And that's because when we asked, oh, are you able to tile it Mm -hmm. while the project was going on? They were like, yeah, that'll cost extra because it's... Oh, yeah, that's fine. However, there was another element where I thought, has something gone wrong in the project? And they didn't warn me about the cost and they just bunged it onto the bill Mm -hmm. anyway. Half of that they handle well. 
half of it was abysmal and we can learn from both because one was they were like yeah sure you want that thing extra done it will take extra time mm-hmm, it will cost mm-hmm, extra money mm-hmm. communicated brilliantly I've got not a leg to stand on in terms of complaining about it yeah. but on top of that I feel in control of the costs mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting you know what to expect the other bit was a nasty surprise mm. I end up feeling annoyed with them I'm not going to give them a good referral to people the whole thing has ended badly so communication is key absolutely key in parenting key in relationships key in client management totally agree with that but it does sound like it's not as black and white as you want this thing we need to order some tiles that's going to cost you x it sounds like it's been creeping very slowly and gradually where maybe the things haven't been as tangible the shift in the project has only become obvious over time kind of thing uh interesting so maybe we should have discussed between us exactly how it was meant to look and try to guess some of those scope creep things at the beginning is that what you're thinking you mean with your builder yes if we'd have really (laughs) sat there and thought about it we could have got tiling and painting and whatever down right at the beginning right we can try and preempt some of the problems i also think though becky it's worth saying that even if the shift is slow and gradual and not obvious when it does come to light you're still very much within your rights to say look this has now changed this is going to cost you x or i can offer you an alternative whatever that is solution that might cost you less i don't know but like as soon as you identify that it's a problem ideally like not right at the end where you're writing your invoice but like when it becomes obvious it's a problem having that conversation and not being afraid to have it even though it feels like the shift has been slow and a bit messy and grey. It also massively depends, right, on how you quote for jobs, okay? I don't know how you do that process because there's the whole, like, hourly rate versus fixed fee setup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you quote a fixed fee, uh, that makes your life quite difficult. If they slowly shift, like, where's the line between what you had agreed and what... Well, yeah, but that's it, isn't it? What you have agreed. If you write your quote properly and you have strong terms and conditions and all that jazz you can protect yourself against getting into issues with having those conversations so like essentially being really clear and breaking down the cost as to what they are getting like so in my um job i'm a graphic designer i'll break down like what they're literally getting so what the assets are like a new logo a new this that the other what those things are but also within that i'm going to say how many rounds of amends and changes they get within the cost and it's very clearly like you get two sets of amends once we get to version three you start paying me at an hourly rate of x yeah so it's a combination of choosing the way you're going to invoice is it just like uh, my ra- my rate is x and we'll we'll go with the flow which is dangerous for everybody <laughs> um, if it's going to be a fixed fee being really clear on what that is or i would argue like somewhere in between where you agree on certain deliverables and how many changes and really specific conditions. So then if it goes beyond that, you can say, no, now we start charging. Writing quotations often actually requires a lot of work on the part of the client because they have to be really clear on what it is that they need because there's nothing worse than getting like vague brief from your client and then like kind of fudging a quote and then actually in reality it turns out to be something different and then having to have that conversation, it's just like, oh, it creates all sorts of stress. So if I'm really unclear on like what the project is or they haven't really thought through what it is they want, I'll push back on that a bit and like 
maybe arrange another call or have another conversation to really iron out what it is they need from me so I can make that as clear as possible price-wise. And that's better for everybody in the long run as well. It just, it feels like more work initially for, for both sides, but it's definitely worth it. One thing you can also do before you start the actual project, and this has only come to me after quite a few years of making people's videos, is asking the question like, who ultimately needs to approve this? Mm, my God, yes, such a good question. <laughs> I know where this is going. I know because where when, this is going. When you're working with like just a solo person, mm. it's very obvious. It's the, probably the person sitting opposite you. But when you're working with a company, sometimes somebody makes the decision. You presume that that person has the power to yeah. make that decision. But actually above them, there might be somebody else. And above that person, somebody else. Actually, it goes to a board of 30 people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also, like if you're, if you're dealing with that kind of larger company structure and the person you're speaking to hasn't necessarily done this kind of project before or is relatively junior, they might not know that that's likely to happen so like yeah, saying um look i know this is really rough and it's a first draft and whatever but if there's if your manager or someone else needs to see this i reckon we should try and do that now sometimes you have to hold their hand a bit yeah and then sanitize very clearly afterwards. <laughs> as an extension to that is that sometimes you get lots of people sticking their paws in like lots of cooks and you you want to try and stress at that point look who is going to have like ultimate say like who is going to condense any feedback so that i only get one person's mm. feedback and that is the decision as to what is going to happen mm. there's nothing worse than getting like 20 emails from 20 different people and they haven't read each other's emails oh do you know we once had a guest on the being freelance podcast i think his name is paul the code guy he had this phrase the can you just fee oh my god yes <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. Yeah. For when the clients come to you and say, can you just... Because there's no such thing as a can you just. Right. Like You want to avoid doing can you justs from the beginning because it sets a bad precedent Yes. as to what is and isn't okay. Even if you say to them, um, look, just to let you know this would normally cost, I'm going to do it this time because mm. I've just had a donut and I'm in a good mood. <laughs> But just so that you know, those kind of goodwill gestures can go down a treat, but they can also backfire if you don't make them aware that it was a goodwill gesture. Yes. Some people would even say that you should put those on your invoice, say what it was, and then write Abs it off like, your invoice. If I was going to pay a, like, an agency to can you just something for me on some design work they'd done, there would be an hourly rate, standard. Not even think about it. Yeah, I do think there's a balance between building a relationship with a client and being seen to be helpful and whatever it's the can you just alarm that i had installed <laughs> <laughs> you're right in that like you want to be useful and you want them to hire you again you want to be seen to be accommodating but equally you're setting yourself up for potential like taking the pistom because it becomes quite difficult to draw the line between where you're happy to do that can you just and where you no longer are and that's the thing isn't it because becky is talking about the how these things that they're asking for is like none of them are enough for her to go whoa hold mm. your horses mm. but of course it's a bit like with pocket money with your kids like where you teach them you know look after your pennies and the pennies become pounds mm -hmm. you start doing jobs that are pennies and before you know it it's cost you pounds mm. it's the same 
thing, except for maybe it's pounds and it's cost you hundreds of pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I think an element of this, Becky, is about being confident enough to hit reply and say, look, I can do this for you. But and I know it only looks like a small thing, but Mm. and and here's a thing that I have I've, I've sometimes done as well. If you can see lots of small things coming in, it can be worth saying to a client, look, if possible, it's better for you to give me a load of things mm-hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. So instead of sending me your feedback as you think of it, hold on to it because that way you get better value for your money. It's like you said, ho- holding hands with your client. It's that training them to have the good feedback habit. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, a lot of the time, I do feel like I'm educating people a lot on like how I would like to be communicated with because people don't know if they've never worked with a designer before you know they just or whatever the 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 freelance whatever the business is they likely haven't done that kind of project before so there's no like issue obviously in the nicest possible way of telling them how the process might work how you'd like to be communicated with yeah like compiling feedback into one email blah 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 like you can outline all that stuff you could even outline that stuff at the beginning as part like as part of your terms or i've seen some freelancers do that where it's actually on their website here is my right. process nice. this is how it works and so it's there for people to see before they're even hired for freelancer mm. but equally it's there for the freelancer simply to send a link and say hey here's my refer back to yeah i've also got some clients where they only want to give me changes and feedback over the phone which <laughs> is really frustrating for obvious reasons Jesus, who's phoning you, Frankie? How did they <laughs> get have... your phone number? How did you let that happen? <laughs> it's true. And depending on the sort of thing you're working on, like you can provide a feedback form. So there's already a template. Oh, that's so a nice clear, idea. Like, you need or use tools like, you know, in video production, there are tools now where you send them a video link and they can click on the video player itself. Oh, yeah. And add comments. Right. With comments, you can do that for PDFs and images mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. audio and all sorts, even within Dropbox and things now. Like use those tools to help you uh, consolidate feedback as well. That were kind of straying off off piste, but it really works. All right, if you've got comments on this, maybe you've had an experience, good and bad, then do let us know. This is episode 53. Leave your comments in the Facebook group or, of course, get in touch with Frankie on Instagram or Twitter. We'd also love your questions. You can leave them either by sending Frankie a message or at doingitforthekids.net and go to the podcast page. And please go and listen to Steve's other podcast, Being Freelance, full of interviews with lots of interesting people doing really cool stuff yeah including tom hovey the illustrator for the great british bake-off yes a freelancing parent that sounds ace and if you've enjoyed this episode please do share it It means so much when you share them on social media it really helps us uh, get get the message out there and you can leave a review as well oh they're nice they are we've had some good ones recently thank you (laughs) rob is now chatting in the background though which is quite annoying I can't hear him. Really? (laughs) His voice is so loud. Like, I don't know what it is, but he talks so loud. When we stayed at our um, friend's house in Bristol, when their daughter was like three, her bedroom was like directly above their like kitchen where we were sitting and having dinner. She literally came down at 8.30 and was like, Mummy, that man's voice is so loud. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to go to sleep.
To be fair, though, if we were like, you know, in one of those David Attenborough-style nature programmes, mm. if we were the penguins, <laughs> like, I would hear Rob, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very tall, which helps. Tall and loud. Spot him from a mile off. 